You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey, on this show, we have a great guest, Eric J. Fisher from the Beyond the To-Do List podcast. That's a great, great podcast that you definitely should check out. I got really into listening to it and thought, man, we ought to get this guy on Zen and the Art of Triathlon and talk with him about balancing out life and training and getting things done. It's all around, just an awesome interview with somebody that has lots of experience in this subject matter. He interviews on his show the, oh man, like David Allen and, and such, the, the biggest biggest people in the, in the business of productivity and being smart about your day. So this, that's a really great interview. Also, after the interview, we get into the training log, and on that, I've made some sh- I've made some notes here to tell you what we cover <laughs> in that one. Uh, staying up late versus getting up early, or how to get up early by by not staying up late. Um, we talk about jicama. Oh man, it's a good veggie for you. We talk about getting faster, a method to get faster in the pool by uh, timing yourself with a wristwatch continuously as you swim, and it is foolproof. It really works really well. I talk about doing shovel glove, which is a sledgehammer workout, but actually doing it on the bike between intervals without getting off the bike uh, on the trainer and uh, doing sledgehammer moves, 16-pound sledgehammer, which is about as heavy as you can get. And also improved interval timing, like what to do on the bike. Talk a little bit about putting butter in your coffee, if you want to do that kind of thing. And then also I go on a long ride and test out fueling with Amrita bars as my main fuel. And it turned out really well. But how well and the details, you need to hang around and find out towards the back end of the show after the interview. All right, let's cover a little bit of triathlon news before we get talking to Eric, the biggest news, pretty much the only news, <laughs> is uh, Challenge Bahrain. So this was a 70.3 uh, half Ironman distance race in Bahrain, which is in the Middle East, and it was spectacular. $100,000 first place for both male and female both get the same amount of pay, and it paid 10 deep, and the coverage was spectacular, and I don't know what else. I mean, it was just fantastic, and it's challenge of uh, paying these pros, and they're the ones that put on uh, Challenge Roth, and oh, it was just so exciting to see a really good race put on, and the pros flocked over there to go do this race. They were treated really well right from the beginning, and I really appreciate this because the pros set the example, set the inspiration for how fast you could actually be. And it's what a lot of us look up to and gets a lot of kids into the sport when they they get to see and meet a pro and and see what they're doing. And in a time where Ironman's cutting pros out of races and not paying very much and uh, paying or slotting unevenly uh, males and females to uh, Kona, challenge is... Oh, and the coverage for races being kind of wonky for Ironman races. Challenge is just killing it. Absolutely killing it. So 
definitely check out the the race footage is still online at Challenge's website for Bahrain. It's easy. If you just Google it, you can find it and look for the live video coverage. And it's like six something hours or so. And I've started watching it on the trainer. It is fantastic. Definitely go check it out. Okay, that's enough of the triathlon news. Let's go ahead and get started talking to Eric. As we talk about in the interview, I was doing the Iron Baby bike ride, which is a five and a half hour bike ride. <laughs> so I'm nearly six hours after my flat and all that. And because it's the Iron Baby and I do my own race, I uh, can wear headphones if I wanted to. And I got on the bike, started pedaling and turned on my phone uh, to podcast and put it right on his show and listened to five hours straight of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast. And it, the time just flew by because the guests are so good. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. Like I said, that's the reason of why I got him on the show. In the middle of doing the Iron Baby, I thought, man, I got to get him on the show. This guy seems really nice and really cool to talk to us. So I sent him an email and he said, you bet. And that is where this leaves off. And the interview picks up. Here we go. Here's Eric. Welcome to the next level. Hello. Hey, Eric. What's going on? Not much. How are you doing? Doing good. Are you ready to go early or? No, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Get it out of the way. I already started recording, so. I hope you're no problem. You know, as a podcaster, you have to warn people, right? <laughs> I usually don't. <laughs> I don't even worry about it. That's a step beyond me. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. All right. I am here with Eric Fisher from Beyond the To-Do List podcast. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I bet you this request for you to be on my show just came out of the blue, didn't it? Uh, no, you're in a stream of, uh, see, now that sounds like every, everybody wants to talk to me. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get requests all the time, but I try, and I try to fit them in. So yeah, here you go. Have you, have you been on a triathlon podcast yet or a Zen podcast yet? No, this yeah. is a new, yeah. new for me. So, well, I have to tell everybody, I mentioned it in my last show, but I don't know if it made if I was able to communicate what the impact it made on me and how, how cool it was, uh, what I did, Eric on, um, uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, I did a self-supported Ironman. So that's all, it's a five hour for some people, six to seven hour bike ride in that thing. And because I'm doing it on my own, I can listen to headphones and stuff like that. Right. And that is a long time on the bike by yourself. And, um, so what I did was I had loaded up some podcasts to listen to and I came across yours, uh, well, well before the event, but I'd listened to, I don't know, like maybe, maybe five or 10 episodes or something like that. And I was like, this is, this is good. I want to listen to this on the, on the bike. I think I can just listen to this the entire ride. So I rode 112 miles nonstop listening to your podcast oh wow <laughs> one after the other and after the other and i just thought i one i wanted to compliment you on a really well done show it's fantastic uh, i wouldn't be able to have done that you know for so long in a row um if it wasn't so i, I strongly encourage people to go check it out and 
um, the other thing, so your show is, it's, well, it's exactly what the title says. It's about productivity, but we tend to get caught up in doing to-do lists. And then I think, uh, and we're going to talk a lot about this, uh, succeeding and failing based on these, how well you do this to-do list. So what's beyond that? What, what does it all mean? And how do you actually transcend the actual to-do list and then, um, move, actually try to find the, the, the truth behind what you're trying to do. And then also there was a, a recurring theme in your show is half your guests at least seem to be from Nashville. <laughs> that was not, that, that was not intentional. It just somehow. And I knew I had happens. in my email to you to try to get you on my show. I was like, by the way, I used to live in Nashville. I used to live in Franklin, Tennessee as when I was like six, seven years old. So I had, wow. to, I had to throw that down there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about the show and, and, um, what have, what have you learned from, how do you get these people on your show that are so interesting? And then, um, what have you learned from, from doing all these interviews with people? Um, well, the, the show again, so beyond the to-do list, what that means to me yeah. is we focus on how to do our stuff better, how to do it faster, how to do it better, how to whatever. That's that's the to-do list. That's the 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 tasks, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I like to think beyond that because by thinking and asking the questions of um, you know, why am I doing what I'm what am I doing? You know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I want to do that? How can I do different that you know by by moving beyond the it's almost like a vision thing. It's if you if you're navel gazing to, at your task list versus looking up and seeing what's out there, right? Then you can kind of say, "Oh, okay, now I know how to pick the right tasks on that to-do list." So, I don't say throw out the to-do list. I just say, "Hey, that and more." It's it's productivity and more. It's the why the heck are we doing? Why do, why the heck do we want to be productive? Right. If we don't talk about that some, then none of this is worth as much. You know, you could be inf- efficient at the wrong thing, and that doesn't make it productive. <laughs> you know. Right. So, so it's kind of that holistic approach, I guess, is is what I was going for, and I and yeah. I guess I did it because everybody likes it. So yeah, it's um, it's really yeah. neat. Yeah, and so you've managed to even get like the holy grail of to-do list guests like with uh david allen on the yeah show. Well, yeah in fact just, he's actually oh, coming back on in a couple weeks so. he is you gotta be yeah. like so stoked to have to have him on there i like, am I'm, i've been doing my homework i want to i want to really I, I, I my goal is honestly to make it the best interview he's had yeah and hopefully that's at least it, hopefully it's at least the best interview i can do so right yeah yeah is what what I find interesting about your interviews, like let's say with uh, David Allen, is you you kind of put them, I wouldn't say corner them, but you you make them describe like how they're actually doing stuff in their day to day life, and you know all these. It's what's funny is with David Allen, all these electronic versions of digital versions of of his system have come and gone and and it's extremely complicated and i think he'll he'll say that he's the first one just to use pen and paper <laughs> and he still is even to this day i've i've heard he was on a, a show that i listened to just a couple weeks ago and he's still doing it like 
he's using pen and paper and yeah. that doesn't mean he doesn't capture digitally, but he processes stuff very, you know, in a tangible way. And there's something to that, I guess. Yeah. And, um, another one that's, a a, a great person to have on is Merlin Mann. Mm-hmm. And some people may have heard of him as the, um, because we're speaking to a triathlon audience here, but uh, the thing is about triathletes is they're trying to do uh, most. That's ninety nine percent of triathletes are holding down a day job and trying to train for three sports at the same time. So that's where the whole productivity stuff comes in. Yeah, it, it's extremely difficult to do, and you find your breaking point really quickly. And then, um, but you do have a grading scale. With, at races where you can compare yourself versus other people your age to see how well you're doing in the sport and then also how well you're doing in life I guess by how expensive your bike is or something <laughs> so the, <laughs> so you're you're con- you're able to compare yourself like how well you're handling all this and um, uh, but Merlin Mann uh, is famous for the inbox zero um, statement. That what's, he's he's such a funny guy to listen to. He, he wishes he could retract that so many times, or I don't know the chaos that it's caused in the productivity yeah. world. Yeah, and um, he's on another great podcast. Back to work. If you want to, you want to get a full dose of of uh, Merlin Man for people I, out there. I honestly, I try to listen to that one live as often as I can. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes off on some great tangents. He's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and um. But I remember, I don't know if it was on your show or another one where I heard this this quotable moment from him where he said that um, he could give you or you could find every single uh, switch and toggle for your to-do list or how to manage everything in your life and you'll come to the conclusion that it still doesn't work and that you actually need, at some point you realize you need to become a different person than what you are. Yeah. And, and and honestly that's that's kind of getting at what I try to do with the show. So, yeah. So, all these people that you've interviewed, yeah, have you have you come how many episodes are are you at? You're like at 150 uh, or something. We're at, no, we're at, we're at about 80 plus, but oh, 80 we'll plus. get to we'll get into the hundreds pretty yeah. quickly soon. So, and um I got I got to say I admire what you're doing with um you live you live what you talk because um, you only put out quality shows and the shows aren't, it's, it looks from the pattern of shows. It's like one a month or something like that. Right. So there, there, there are points where it's weekly and there've been about three seasons where it's been less than that just to, to life change. Yeah. Um, so right now the, 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 uh, the release schedule has been less frequent, However, I have a, a chunk of interviews banked yeah. right now. So cool. cool. And yeah, so you don't seem to rush to put things out. You you tend to instead to to do a good job and put it out when it's done, which is nice. And so what's what's your um what are some recurring themes you see in your guests? These people you you tend to interview people that are really su- successful in one facet of life or another. And um, I wouldn't say it's against all odds, but seem to be very productive um, in the face of a lot of challenges. And what do you, you know, because there's that whole thing like, well, everybody seems to like they get up early in the morning, but that's not the case at all, right? 
No, it's not. In fact, there are a number of people who – it's funny because that whole question of how – in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Right. Like I get so many different answers to that. Some are, well, you know, first thing in the morning, uh, I'll be in bed and I'll pull out my phone and I'll mm-hmm. swipe through some emails. And then others are like, I don't I don't touch work stuff at all. I'll, I'll get up and I'll – I'll have some tea and I'll sit and meditate and I'll yeah. take a walk. I'll walk the dog. I'll have uh, some breakfast. I'll journal and then I'll hit work after I've said goodbye to the family or something. And there's others who will say, oh, I sleep in because I'm doing work the night before. Yeah. So there's no wrong way to do it. It's only wrong if you're fighting your own natural rhythm or or inclination to how you best function, you know? so Right. There's... It seems like I would say haven't listened to a bunch of your. I haven't listened to all of them yet, but it, the recurring theme seems to be they tend to find what energizes them, and then that to get going, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or, or what? It, or maybe either what energizes them or what de-stresses them so that they can relax and think. And yeah, it, it's kind of a recalibration or a re. Uh, what's, what's the word? Not recentering. Um, but you, you get what I mean. Like it, what, where am I? What do I have to do? How do I do it? Okay. Now I know. So I'm not stressed. Right. In that kind of a. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this weird removing of stress that builds energy so that they can move forward. And then I think where, what we find out by listening to your show is how you remove stress doesn't matter. Right. So it's like and then how you get your energy doesn't really seem to matter. That can be a very individual thing. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. I mean, personality styles, work styles, you know, everybody. We're all different, unique snowflakes. Now, Um, (laughs) (laughs) as I assume triathletes are, I mean, I'm assuming that there's no one right way that work there's no one prescribed way that works for everybody right to train because everybody's got different day jobs aside from their training and their competing I, yeah so. and i think everybody has different things that inspire them like with the whole energizing thing you know they have different memories of childhood that motivates them mm-hmm. and i think what was really nice I, you know it takes 50 something episodes of listening to one guest after another to finally you know, for something to sink in and that because we, I, I think if you keep trying this one way and you keep failing, you think that you're a failure, but then to hear a guest say, that's really successful and productive say, oh yeah, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And he says, yeah, he goes, I sleep in. And then, uh, yeah, I, uh, or, you know, because a whole lot of people are like, don't check your email until you're ready. But then some people are like, I get up and I check my email first thing. It energizes me to see what's going on. And you're like, oh, wow, maybe that does work. And so what it what it's taught me was to experiment and see what actually creates energy and to pay attention and, and see what actually works and then go with that. Like know yourself first and then yeah. work with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a kind of person who I like to look at what's in my email to know one, there's no fires in there. There's no emergencies or anything. Right. And two, uh, delete a bunch of stuff that, yeah, I still need to get 
notices of, but when I immediately shrink my inbox by half or more first thing in the morning without much effort, think of the momentum that that builds for my day already. Right. Yeah, like a small win to to get you, yeah, make you feel good. Exactly. So, I have a another uh, phrase that you guys keep bringing up is uh, margins. Mm-hmm. and creating margins. And I was talking to a, a good friend of mine on the phone last night, and I was explaining it to him. I was trying to get him to listen to your shows. And um, nice. I said that it's like, a, so you create these margins so that you can breathe and kind of de-stress a little bit and then figure out what to do next, the correct thing to do next so that you're more effective. And then it's uh, it's a lot like having, when you fill up a coffee cup, you don't fill it all the way to the top. Because now you're stressed because you're walking around and you've, or it's hard to drink out of because it, any kind of wrong movement and it's going to spill over. So it creates this stress and you're, you're having to be, um, you're agitated trying to work with this. And then you fill up a coffee cup and then you leave some room for some slack so that you can actually be mobile with it, be flexible and enjoy it. And then with that, that little bit of space, you actually can can do more or enjoy it more and then enjoy your cup of coffee yeah Uh, and to build on your metaphor then you know if if you're the more active you are the more you need boundaries a lid on top in your to-go mug because it keeps it from spilling over when you're so mobile right and other things falling into it (laughs) yeah that too (laughs) other other cups of stuff and other parts of life like falling in yeah. So how did you get into doing all this uh, productivity stuff for lack is, – is is productivity it's, – it's kind of an industry now or, or what is it? How would you define it? I mean I think it's, I think it's been around for a while. I mean it, it definitely predates uh, the, the getting things done era. You know, if, you, yeah. if you go further back, you've got Stephen Covey planners and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, time management is what it was for a while. And before that, even Peter Drucker is a guy who, who was right. doing a lot of talking about this kind of thing, this, this, the, the way that work has changed to be less hands-on and tangible and or at least most people you know the 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 workforce so to speak um it has moved into more of knowledge work Mm -hmm. and 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 even more so now it's been it's become digital and it's become you know internet everywhere accessibility is is this new wave of things and so i kind of grew up in the uh being aware of Franklin Covey type stuff and and GTD as it was coming out, but didn't really do anything with it until a few years after the book was out, and I was working as doing data entry at yeah. a university, and I just you know I realized oh you know I could be doing more than just sitting here doing this typing. Why don't I start listening to podcasts and so so that you know so multitasking and um. And just having you know slight amount of ADD, it was it was very much a necessity to figure out, you know what what are some systems, what are some practices, best practices even that I can put in place for me mm-hmm. that will help me to to cope and not just get stuff done, but not feel stressed and so just yeah feeling feeling like I have control over what I have the ability 
you know, to control. We don't have control. We don't have control over everything. You can't control right. other people, but controlling myself. Right. So, yeah. And, and then as time went on, that's, that's where it's kind of morphed from. And then, um, what inspired you to, how'd you get started doing your own podcast about it? I, I, I had been a podcaster. I'd listened to podcasts since they kind of came, since they came into iTunes in 2005, summer right. of 2005. And gradually, uh, I did, I did a comedy podcast with a friend of mine for a while uh-huh. back in, uh, 07 and 09. We did different seasons of it. Uh-huh. And then I started doing a podcast about social media with a, a friend, Cliff Ravenscraft, and mm-hmm. gradually just uh, he he needed us to kind of phase that out and have me on his bigger main show that he did. And so uh, at that point I knew, well, I've got a bunch of free time. I kind of want to do my own thing now, right. my own show. I wanted to do a solo show, and it could have gone the route of me just kind of preaching <laughs> out yeah. the microphone, but... I knew I wanted to talk to somebody. I wasn't going to be interested in hearing my own voice just go on and on. Right. I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to have conversations. And and so it took about six months for the idea to really morph into what it became yeah. and what I started recording. And, and as the show's gone on, it's gotten better. And, and I've really enjoyed it. So. And this podcasting for you is like a part-time thing, right? Do you, don't you have a full-time job and kids and such? Yep, I got two kids, a wife, and a full-time job working with uh, Social Media Examiner online. Social media. Okay, so what tips do you have for people about social media? Like uh, a professional triathlete <laughs> is a brand, right? They have to go out and get yep. sponsors, and so like any professional athlete, like imagine NBA but with none of the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, do, uh, what do you see in social media that somebody like that needs to keep in mind? as far as how to how to act and how to respond on Twitter, for example. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of that dichotomy of you got to answer quickly because it's, you know, instantaneous. Right. At the same time, yeah. don't do that. Think about what you're going to say. Craft it. And, you know, don't tweet angry. <laughs> don't tweet angry. <laughs> Pause for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Wouldn't you? Ra- I mean, what's the difference to you that you took five minutes? They're not going to know. You know, they're not going to care the difference between you responding five minutes from when they said whatever they said or a minute. Mm-hmm. But to you, that could be all the time in the world to say the right thing the right way. Right. Yeah, it would be good to step away and do something else completely. Kind of like writing a a paper or a paragraph or a news article yeah. or something like that. When you come back and look at it with fresh eyes, you're like, oh my gosh, you finally see, you see all these errors and and misspellings mm-hmm. and stuff that you never saw before. Totally. All right, well, I'm going to do to you what you do to everybody else. What does your most productive day look like? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, I got to bed early the night before, and yeah. I got enough sleep and I woke up and I'm, you know, most likely I'm drinking something warm uh-huh. if it's, if, which is most of the time. And then, uh, I'm probably going to sit and relax and read and warm my brain up. And then I'm going to get my phone out and I'm going to go through and I'm going to, again, I'm going to wipe as much of those emails clean and, and assuming there's no fires to put out in there, then. So uh, what time are you getting up though? Do you think? 
Uh, these days, it's before six. Okay. Because of the the time change, we just did. Yeah. Uh, I was getting up at about six, so that I had a little bit of time before everybody else uh-huh. uh, got up or had to get up. Um, but then with changing that hour back, my body was used to six. Mm-hmm. It's now used to five, so right. I'm giving myself leeway and still getting both. I'm getting benefits both ways. I'm getting yeah. to sleep in, but also get up earlier at the same time. So, okay. So you you're uh, checking your email on your phone, right? Yeah. Okay. And instead, why why instead of a laptop or something like that? I because uh, partially because if I sit in front of the laptop, I may get distracted and start clicking around and going a bunch more places. Mm-hmm. There's even though smartphones and tablets have gotten better at multitasking and switching. Um, there's still almost a single tasking mentality going on. And so if I can just open that one app and have it take up the entire screen right. of it's just email I'm doing right now. Yeah. Cool. I can swipe up and down and hopefully get to the point where there's almost nothing there to swipe up and down. Right. Because I've slept, swiped it left and right and gotten it out of there. Yeah. Boom. Clean Done. slate. Okay. It, you know, to quote Merlin Mann, inbox zero. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kill But you. not the He's way he meant us. it. So there you go. <laughs> but not the way he meant it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So then breakfast or what? What do you do? Yeah. Then, uh, you know, the, more often than not, the kids are up pretty early. Yeah. Especially my three-year-old son. Yeah. So. It's it's you know maybe some cartoons it's yeah. may, it, maybe it's breakfast it's it depends on you know we, I kind of take that chunk of time there's a boundary between or there's a zone where okay everybody gets up and they either need to get ready and go and then they're gone and I'm then home alone uh-huh. or I help get them ready I take my daughter to school get back and then I do some more stuff mm-hmm. um, and honestly I by by having that time ahead of that chunk where i'm on family mode uh when it's just when i have my when i get my me time before family mode yeah you can be better family guy i can be better yeah exactly yeah so i know what you mean yeah okay so you work from home the priority yeah you work from home then i do okay and then so what do you do you leave for lunch or do you stay at home all day or how do you get some people interaction Oh gosh! It, it certain days. Okay, so so my wife works part time, uh-huh. and certain days are the days where she and my son are home, mm-hmm. and then there are other days where they she's at work and he is being watched. Yeah. And on those days, uh, on the days that they are home, I will, unless there's some urgent you know thing she needs to go do errand wise. I take the car and I go to my favorite coffee shop. Oh, okay. And which I, I was picky about. I picked one where they've got some music going on and it's not super crowded and there's nice kind of ambience and space between all the people. Yeah. Uh, not a Starbucks. Right, right. Not and crammed so, in there. Yeah. Exactly. So I've got that. And then I try to, on the days where they are out for most of the day and I'm home, mm-hmm. that when they get home, I kind of do a transition where. I interact with them for a little bit if I can and then yeah. get out of the house right the same way and then come home for dinner. Oh, okay. So, so it's then, kind of a flip-flopping kind of which day is it today and Yeah. And then what about in the evenings? What do you do? 
I try to, for the most part, if it's, uh, if it's, you know, we do dinner and then I'll try to do family time as much as possible. And then really it depends on what tasks are left. If there's any, if there's anything pressing that can't wait, I will, you know, pull the laptop back out and work on that a bit before bed. Yeah. Uh, I try to keep away from screens though, as much as I can within the like last hour, hour and a half before right. Right. laying down. Otherwise I just, you, it's hard to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, there's, there's a chunk in there where the kids have gone to bed and I can do some more. Or if it's, re- I mean, if it was really pressing, I would just say, Hey, tonight I really need to like go back out to the coffee shop and take my stuff with me. So, right. so what do you use for, to manage all your, your projects and the, to-do list and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I'm using an, a cross-platform app called Todoist. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've used that. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's my favorite. It's just slick. It's clean interface, easy UI to master, and it's got power tools hidden underneath it, but on the surface, it's literally just a list maker, and you can, you know, make lists of lists or just <laughs> single lists, and yeah, there you go. It's it, got some really got good... Um, yeah. It's got some really good filters, so you can filter things down and and uh, yeah, I, I'm I I go back and f- what I find is it doesn't do some things that I prefer, where like uh, workflowy is is so based on how you feel, you do whatever you want, and then I find I go back and forth between the two, and I find it sabotages my productivity because <laughs> yeah. I got half yeah. my stuff in one and half in the other, but I'm looking. Really, what I would like is workflowy with due dates. <laughs> yeah, because it has no due dates in it. So, <laughs> um, and I got recurring stuff that I would like. To, if it had due dates and recurring dates, then I would be so happy. But it see, doesn't. and I've got those set up in Todoist so that I can just yeah. But workflowy does something for me where it's the just a it's so much like pencil and paper, pen and paper. A li- just True. a straight list, and I love bulleted lists and going out layers like really quickly. I get frustrated mm-hmm. if something doesn't move super fast. And um, Workflowy's Todoist is just a tad bit slower than Workflowy, so I keep going back to Workflowy. <laughs> well, drives I'll, me crazy. I'll, I'll I'll say this: I do use uh, a miniature legal pad and pen, uh-huh. and I will take some of the stuff. You know, I will actually look at Todoist uh-huh. and copy some stuff down on paper and then I get to digital or not digitally analog cross yeah. it off scribble it out and say yeah. okay done I might start doing that because I found that what I've because with workflow you're allowed to keep exploring exploring which the way what works for you and if you keep doing it you end up coming up with something that works mm-hmm. and what I found out that works is a very simple list of just like two to five things for the day yeah, and yeah, yeah. You could totally do that with Todoist, like you're saying. You could look at the bigger list, grab the things you need to do, and just write that on paper, and then check in at the end of the day and scratch off the stuff that you've done, yep. and uh, sign things off. Well, cool, man. Thanks for being on the show. And, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for um, having me. How do you? People can find you on the on the podcast beyond the to-do yeah. list. And uh, do you do any? Do you do anything else that you want people to get in touch with you about? You got any sponsors or anything like that? Um, not, I mean, we're in between right now, so just check out the shows. Yeah. Beyond the to-do list.com. Um, who are your most memorable, 
let's say three interviews so far on your show that people oh, uh, if you want people to go have a really entertaining show who should they check out <laughs> um which one do you remember see. the most wow uh, it, well, entertaining versus beneficial might be <laughs> might not be the same episode, but yeah. I would say I would definitely say check out the David Allen one, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, and I would say check out the Merlin Man episodes. Uh-huh. He's been on twice, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, and even one maybe more recent was uh, Chase Reeves or Scott Stratton. Okay, cool, awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much, Eric. You can go check him out at the Beyond the To-Do List podcast. Definitely start listening to that show. Go to his website. The link's on my website. And just just an all-around great guy that's doing great things, uh, getting all this information out there for people to use. Absolutely loved having him on the show. Big, big thanks. And this kind of stuff's really useful to age groupers and everybody just trying to get everything done and learn how to fit in. You can fit in triathlon training once you learn this kind of stuff. Saying no to the things that aren't important and yes to the things that are and cleaning up your email and figuring out yeah, where, where, where you want to go with your life. It's pretty cool. Clarity. It's all about clarity. All right. That interview was brought to us by Amphipod Multisport in Libertyville, Illinois. You can get in on the CompuTrainer first ride for free at Amphipod Multisport. Check them out, amphipodmultisport.com. You can go there and look at all the stuff they have on their website. They are just a little bit north of Chicago. And as this winter comes along and it gets nastier and nastier outside, this is where you want to go if you're in the Chicagoland area and get yourself on a bike and get in some training time with a group They have a club, and also they have a two-lane sailing pool. First ride for free, again, on the CompuTrainer. Uh, No contract memberships, though, so it's month-to-month if you want to become a member. That's really cool. So you can be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, when does it get warm around there? Let's see, I was there May. Yeah, around May it starts getting pretty warm. So you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start training outside. So put your membership on hold. And then you also can drop in at a day rate of 25 bucks. And the membership is uh, 100 bucks a month. They have, they have all this stuff, man. It's super cool. And 100 bucks a month for active military and firefighters and police. How about that, man? You're one of those. You get a discount. So go check them out at amphipodmultisport.com. And tell them that Brett from Zentry sent you. They'll love to hear that. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. This is where I take you with me. This episode, it's a lot of in-between workouts while I'm in the car. And we talk about all these kinds of things, like I mentioned earlier. Intervals, sledgehammers, jicama, butter in your coffee. It just goes on and on and on. And I'm super happy to bring it to you. Let's get started with the training log. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, training log. December 1st, driving down the freeway. Leaving the swimming pool on the way to work. It's a Monday, and I've got a truck in front of me pull, pulling a trailer with stuff falling off the back of it that i got to keep my eye on. <laughs> like a, a cardboard box. and probably has a, probably a box full of nails or something. We'll find out. Anyway, uh, the swim was really, really nice. Oh, there goes another box. Let's see what's in this one. I think they're empty. That's why they're rolling pretty good. <clears throat> or whatever was in them just flew out anyway. So the uh, swim was really nice. Uh, nice, long, easy warm-up until I started feeling good and then started hamming up, hammering, not hamming, hammering out intervals, which uh, slowly escalating the pace and then holding the pace and then trying to hold it a little bit longer once it's burning really good and then uh, stopping at the wall and uh, catching my breath and then eventually going back into it again and taking a little sip of honey kind of here and there to keep the uh, to keep the carbs up since you're doing intervals, which are pretty intense. Uh, you burn through carbs pretty quick. You need to be used to taking them on when you need them. And yeah, that's how you do it. Anyway, got a little uh, productivity tip for you. The, the time you spend at night is really interesting. Um, a lot of people waste a lot of time at night uh, they think that they can't get up any earlier because they're tired when they get up. But then if they look at their time, you'll, they, you will see that uh, you stayed up until 10 o'clock or something like that watching TV. And uh, society's engineered this way, or TV is engineered this way, to uh, keep you up late, you know, with all the late night shows and stuff like that. But it's very, very uh, counterproductive. And <clears throat> the way you work yourself out of this is really cool. You make a list of all the things that you got done, let's say after dinner or you know later in the evening when you decided to stay up. And then you look at that list over a few days and you'll see that it sucks. It is full of nothing. It's a bunch, it's, it's compared to the amount of time you spent watching, spent uh four hours watching TV over the past uh, couple of days at night after dinner and you did not get four hours of things done and so that motivates you to say well okay I'm going to try to go to sleep just a little bit earlier and then a little bit earlier a little bit earlier and then in the morning those waking hours instead of at night uh, watching the boob tube in the morning you're up and it's quiet, and you just got up, and you've had a nice cup of coffee, and you start cranking out work, or exercise, or whatever you're doing, and it makes a big difference if you shift it to the morning, when in the morning, all that crap isn't on, all the David Letterman, and the, and uh, gosh, I don't even know what they are, I don't even watch them anymore, um, it was a big change in my life when I started doing that, also, um, we traveled a lot last week, well, traveled some, but last night, Sunday afternoon, drove home and knowing what I know about travel and stress and, and how that reacts with your life and working out and stuff like that, um, your body can't tell the difference between different kinds of stresses. So even though I could have worked out last night, I didn't because we drove three, three and a half hours last night anyway. 
and uh, that's a lot of having to be on that kind of wears you out and unpacking and all that other stuff. So what you do, and what I did was yesterday morning, um, I made sure I worked out just a little bit extra hard because I knew that I wouldn't be working out in the evening and uh, because I'd be uh, too tired. And it was true. I was. I was just kind of bleh, you know, and needed to get other stuff done, needed to unpack and stuff like that. So you can front load your workouts for the times that you know that you're going to be stressed out. And it's not even stressed out like as you would think, you know. It's not like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. It's just stress from doing things that uh, where you have to be on or be paying attention it kind of wears you out a little bit your brain burns through extra calories and a little, little bit of cortisol kind of wears you out anyway i'm at w to the ERK. gonna get some stuff done be back in a second how bang all right super fans and trash cans <laughs> i'm in the car on my way to work again but this time it's tuesday and i'm leaving my house had a really good trainer ride this morning and things surrounding that I wanted to detail. Um, I've noticed working out on the bike and on the train, mostly on the trainer. I've noticed this that you um, you can do intervals, right? A particular sitting style, like an arrow position, and then it takes a while to um, recover. Right? It takes five. Uh, eight minutes, you know, depending on how hard you went, three minutes, I don't know, but it takes a while and that, uh, I've also noticed you only have so much time in the world before you die. And the, uh, I've noticed that if you, uh, do a arrow position interval, hold on, I'm in a school zone. I need to stop talking. Hold on. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> Had to drop uh, Kai off from school or to school, and uh, because his bike had a flat tire, and he hasn't ridden it in a while, and so the flat tire was a surprise. And I pointed out to him, I said, "See, this is what happens when you don't. I'm not lecturing you, saying you should ride your bike more. I'm just saying, just notice that when you don't ride your bike um, very frequently, then things that go wrong with it are a surprise. All of a sudden, you're like, what? Pull it out of the garage, and then something doesn't work, and." Now it throws off your schedule pretty bad. Anyway, um, the uh, if you alternate, well, it started with this. Bike ride, arrow position, and then get kind of bored after a while, and you're like, I think I'm going to try uh, standing and climbing, right? Well, of course, duh. It doesn't... Um, the interval you just did... Uh, an arrow position uses slightly different muscles or uses the same muscles in different ways than the, um, the standing and climbing, right? Okay. So you get a nice standing and climbing interval in and you only need a little bit of recovery. You need less recovery between doing the standing and climbing. And then you go between that and then your next interval again in the arrow position, you only need... Uh, you need less recovery because you were using different muscles, same muscles slightly differently, uh, different muscles slightly more. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, and you can see all this output based on like watts and miles per hour and whatever you're doing and, and all that good stuff. You're like, huh, 
This is really interesting because you've only got so much time to train and you your limiter out on the bike is um, max power, right, or fatigue when your biggest limiter, your weakest link in the chain is fatigue um, when going uphill or into the wind. And what you're doing while training is, yeah, you want to be able to keep up a sustained uh, pace, but also every time you hit a hill and every time you hit uh, anything, um, you have to uh, overcome it and those eventually wear you down. And the more resistant you can become to those, that's why they call it resistance training, the more resistant you can become to those situations, uh, the faster your overall speed will be because you'll be able to sustain more power, uh, more speed, uh, and be less affected by inclines. Now, um, as you go up, you don't need to be in aero position once you drop below, I don't know, it's like 15 miles an hour. It kind of, it just kind of depends. You can feel cause there's headwinds and things like that, but you can feel where, man, if I sat up or if I stood up, um, the being, being in aero position doesn't really matter because I'm not going fast enough. <clears throat> so now you're sitting there thinking, okay, instead of training in the aero position or intervals always sitting or whatever, you could be alternating between your, you could be alternating your intervals between aero position and sitting position and standing position. And, uh, getting in a more effective workout and also it cramming in more in the same amount of time, uh, because they're using everything slightly differently and you're improving muscles that you're going to use and your, your fatigue resistance, uh, for real world riding out in the, uh, out in the badlands out there. And so my, my, uh, ride this morning, I've been thinking about doing that, making that part of my habitual pattern, uh, for a while. Cause I've started to notice that. And today I really noticed it. And over, uh, the last episode I talked about getting a, I'm not, I get tired of talking about it all the time. I got a KOM. Well, part of how I got that KOM was I was standing and climbing over certain sections and sitting up and climbing over other sections where it was, you know, up and, um, being able to put out good, great, let's say great power in every situation, sitting, standing, and arrow, actually uh, will improve your overall time, improve your overall speed. And so that's what I did on my intervals this morning. I decided to mix it up and develop a, a, a pattern. Arrow, intervals, then short break and then standing intervals. And I was like, man, I can go arrow. And then with just a really short break, like a couple minutes, I can go right into a standing interval. And then right after a standing interval, I can uh, recover for a little bit, uh, a few minutes and go right back into an arrow interval, right? And not only did it seem like, um, not only did it seem like it didn't bother uh, the different 
muscles, it actually felt like it made them better. Like somehow it brought more blood flow or something to the, uh, to the muscles. So then when I went back and did arrow, um, it, it was a better interval because I'd done standing. It was really weird. And so now I'm getting in um, nearly the same amount of intervals as I was in arrow position. But I'm now, like I'd say, 85 to 90% the same amount of intervals. But then also in arrow position. But also I'm getting in uh, intervals standing and then sitting. Right? So I would do as well, right? So, um, arrow standing, then back to arrow and then, and then a sitting interval and then back to arrow and then standing and then back to arrow and then back to sitting, right? So it's always, there's arrow. And then I alternate between standing and sitting to mix them in because I still think arrow is, is where you're going to need to do the most work. But those times where you need to stand or uh, sit and pedal are actually critical. Okay, and this is for triathlon. If you were just road biking, then you'd be sitting all the time and standing. All right, and then uh, I think, oh, yeah, (laughs) Andy Andrews. I think that's his name. Um, I was listening to a podcast, the uh, Beyond the To-Do List podcast, and uh, this guy's famous for writing a book. I think it's called The Noticer or something like that. But I'll put a link to it somewhere on the blog is in triathlon.com. The, um, the thing he was saying that was really cool, this interview was everything's about perspective. Um, and there was this chain of events that was really nice. If you can remain calm and it's, there's two different kinds of people, right? In a situation, some people will freak out and some people will remain calm. The calm people will be able to think and then we'll be able to come up with ideas and those ideas can be answers to the situation. And people that are freaking out um, and not calm uh, will continue to propagate the uh, calamity and the stress and won't be able to think of an answer and just uh, make things the same or make things worse. So everything has to do with perspective. That's actually a Zen thing. Uh trying to find a parking spot that's actually a zen thing where the the student says something to the zen master and the zen master says no wrong wrong perspective wrong perspective because everything's always the same it's just your perspective on things it's really cool so i gotta go in the w to the erk check y'all later out bang hey homies back had a really cool swim this morning wanted to tell y'all about it y'all all 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 (laughs) y'all anyway um and then a good veggie i think it's a veggie that i came across that might really be a big help to a lot of people so i'm swimming this morning i have a function set in my sunto ambit 2 where i've got it where it shows a big freaking number and it's set so that when I swim laps at my pool, it's telling me if I'm swimming faster or slower than my target race pace. Okay, so this is a lot like, and you can do this too, this is a lot like um, running on a treadmill and setting the treadmill to your race pace. Imagine setting the treadmill to your race pace and then running along 
and then doing things with your running form to see what makes you go faster or slower with the same amount of effort. So you're like, okay, what if I ran with my hands a little bit lower? Then you start running off the front of the treadmill and you're like, okay, well, that's faster. And then you say, well, what if I uh, lift my heels a little bit more? And you start falling off the back of the treadmill. And then you're like, okay, well, that's slower. So you can start picking away at simple little things in your form to make you faster. Well, how do you do that in the pool? And this is almost genius. I would say it's genius, except I came up with it. So it's uh, better than uh, nothing. (laughs) Anyway, you set your watch to lap. You have a timer function and a lot of watches and you can set the timer to so many seconds and then it'll flip and then start repeating. And I, I swim in a 26 meter pool and it's just an oddball size pool and that's, that's a long story. But I swim in a 26 meter pool so swimming an hour pace is about, I think it's about 47 seconds or 48 seconds for every lap. I don't know, I programmed my watch a while back so I don't remember the number exactly. It's about 48 seconds per lap and I'll start swimming along and warm up and everything and then I'll flip my watch over to that mode uh, to show this number and if I start beating my time, then I'm going faster than my race pace. And if I change up my form, I'll, uh, I, and I start going slower, right? So this is with, I start going slower, then I know that that's dumb. Whatever I just did to my form, don't ever do that. Do the faster thing, right? And <clears throat> this is really cool because you can just look at your watch while you're swimming. When you do a flip turn or something and look at your watch, um, it's the big number that's right there on the screen on my watch. And uh, it's fantastic. You know, I can speed up cadence. I can put my head down a little bit more, put my head up a little bit more, kick a little bit more, kick a little bit less, do body position to get my feet up, you know, like uh, push my chest down. Uh, all kinds of things. Breathe every stroke, breathe every other stroke, and I could start nailing down what's actually faster and what's slower. Because I look at my watch, and it says, "Oh, you did this lap. You beat the time by one second. You beat your race pace by one second. Change up a little more. Oh, you beat your race pace by two seconds, right? And it's all while just swimming along casually, like just uh, cruising, you know. And then you're not." spending a lot of time training the wrong form you're training the right form it's it's really really cool and again you look for a watch with a swim function that uh, well just any kind of stopwatch that repeats it's a timer with a loop on it a repeating timer it's really cool and you just need to figure out how many seconds it is for a 50 to um uh is your race pace cool i hope that made some kind of sense I can talk about it more. People email me and want to know. Anyway, um, texafornia at gmail.com. Also, uh, let's see, jicama. So I'm at the grocery store, and I see a a clear plastic uh, container of jicama. And uh, it's basically, it's uh, it's called the Mexican turnip. But it's actually sweet, and it's crisp, and it's full of water like watermelon is, or celery. Um, but again, it tastes freaking great. And 
it's uh, this is crazy. It's really high in fiber, and it's only got 46 calories per cup of this stuff. So you can sit sit there and snack on this all day. I looked it up on um, Nutrition Data uh, website, and for weight loss, it's got four and a half stars or something like that. That stuff is crazy, um, and it's full of vitamins and all kinds of good stuff. So definitely check out Hickama. Um, it's spelled with a J. J-I-C-A-M-A. And, man, I think this is instead, it's a vegetable. It's a root vegetable. And I th- I'm going to try to start snacking on this stuff um, instead of, as a variety. Because you could sit and snack on carrots or on celery and stuff like that. And that stuff gets old, man. And jicama tastes freaking good. Like, really good. So... Anyway, I thought I'd share that with everybody. All right, I got to go in, get some work done. Out. All right, we are back. We got a little bit of <clears throat> early morning tips and bike tips. Uh, got up this morning after listening to the James Altucher podcast last night, episode 68. They had an interview with a guy that's behind all the bulletproof stuff, which... I think people have taken way out of freaking context and are using it as an excuse just to eat tons and tons of nasty fat. Um, but it was also listening to his story, and I totally agree with what some of he was saying. Some of what he was saying, and um, I kind of fell asleep while listening to this. Emily was uh, power vacuuming. I went out in the living room and told her, you know, you need to go to bed and don't stay up all night building a nest or whatever you're doing out here and, and cleaning the house at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you're keeping other people up and you need to go to bed. So just why don't you wind it down? So that, and I, I can't hear my podcast over the, what, the industrial cleaning that's going on in the, in the next room for no apparent reason. So, um, so, yeah, I have a regular home life, just like everybody else, you know. Anyway, so I'm listening to this, and he said that he tried a whole bunch of different things to um, to uh, feel better. At one point, he had brain fog really bad, which I've actually suffered from, and I don't really recall what was causing it, except I know it when I've got it, and it is nuts. And he got arthritis and a whole bunch of stuff. So he started, and he was rich. So he started spending a lot of time and money trying to figure out uh, what was causing it. And after a lot, he was able to, to experiment, right, and try different things. Oh, this truck is dropping gravel. I'm driving to work right now. And um, one thing he tried was being raw vegan, which I did uh, for... Uh, I was vegan and mostly raw vegan for about nine months or something like that. And he said that he, um, at first it's good, but then it starts messing up your body. And uh, he got cold and I, I got cold. His teeth hurt. I started getting cavities and my teeth started hurting. And what else did he do? Uh, I forgot. But anyway, some other stuff that I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> been there, done that. And then, um, but anyway, they started talking about um, bulletproof coffee is where you put some kind of fat in your coffee. 
And I found this to be really interesting because I tried it this morning and I had just like really crazy results. It was nuts. And um, I do know, I believe for a fact that you can, um, if you eat fat, it encourages your body to metabolize fat. Enough people have said that where it seems to be a thing. And, um, and then in this interview, they were talking about how they tried it and just had tons of energy, like all for hours and hours and hours. And it was pretty nuts. And I have this problem where I get up in the morning and trying to get going and getting on the bike or swim or run, I get real sleepy and then I have to pee a lot, which is a sign that your body doesn't have enough uh, blood sugar calories or something. Uh, pee a lot during my workouts and it's real frustrating and uh, so I tried this um, and the pee a lot isn't all the time it's just kind of randomly like I don't know what's causing it and stuff like that and I um, I drank coffee this morning and put a, a small size pad of butter I drank two cups of coffee because I usually drink two and um, in each cup and melted it and made the coffee taste fine, you know, whatever. Um, and then I got on the bike and was after a while and I also had um, a small bowl of cereal with, uh, it's like Raisin Bran with um, regular or 2% milk in it, which is something I eat all the time anyway. And um, I'm like, uh, I get on the bike and I, I have like a fantastic workout. And um, I didn't need anywhere near as much uh, sweets uh, to keep going. I didn't have to pee or anything like that. And I was like, man, this is really freaking cool. So um, I'm not you know, convinced one way or the other how healthy that is. But if you're having poorer results and then you try something and it gives you better results, that tells you that maybe your body's missing something. Um, and the whole thing with fat working you know, enabling your body to start kicking ass, uh, by metabolizing more body fat for energy, kicking it off, um, is a thing. So uh, I don't know, something to look into. Just thought I'd throw that out there for y'all to uh, try. If you want to give it a try, go out there and try it and let me know. Post back on Twitter, Zen Triathlon on Twitter, uh, if you tried it and see what happened. And then what else? I've narrowed down the bike intervals to something really effective. Um, do an interval uh, in arrow position and pretty soon after arrow position you can do a sitting interval and then pretty soon after that you can do a standing interval and by the time you then you take a break after that and by the time you take a break and kind of gather yourself you can go back to doing a um, an arrow interval on the bike and um, your legs, your arrow interval muscles are pretty fresh now. And that's, that's three things, right? But you can do that like three times or four times in an hour. And it's three or four times of doing something, uh, wearing out some muscles that, um, really, uh, really increases performance. It's like lifting weights. And then oh, there's something else. Oh, there's this thing called shovel glove. Um, go Google it and enjoy yourself for a while. I used to do it uh, a lot more and I've gotten away from it, but I have a, it's where you take a sledgehammer and you work out with a sledgehammer as a free weight 
And it's cool because the hammer, you know, has a lever on it. So you can do all kinds of crazy things with it. And there's all these videos online of people using it, how they use it, different moves that you, you come up with and stuff. But um, I was doing curls and overhead press, one arm overhead press, uh, tricep, uh, shoulder lifts and stuff like that with a 16 pound sledgehammer on the bike while I'm sitting on the bike. I just lean over and pick it up by the handle while I'm on the bike, uh, between intervals, right? Cause my legs need some recovery, but my arms really and shoulders aren't really doing anything. So pick up the sledgehammer and start doing overhead presses, one arm overhead press with uh, the sledgehammer. <laughs> and, uh, it takes a little bit of practice, but I, I used to do it a lot. So I'm pretty good at, it, um, uh, for, a dumb dude in his, uh, in his training cave. And it works great, man. A really good workout upper body and you're locked into the trainer. So you just sit upright and just keep spinning your legs gently while you do this. It's pretty neat. So anyways, uh, Google it. It's called shovel glove. And there's just, like I said, tons of videos and websites about it. It's pretty neat. All right. Out bang. All right. We are back driving to W to the ERK, leaving the pool. Just got off the phone with, uh, Zentri nurse, aka my wife, <laughs> who was giving me the uh, the update. I got an old dog that's peeing on the carpet every once in a while. We just put in new carpet, and uh, boy, that's frustrating. Don't know what to do. She's a greyhound, so she's super skinny, so you can't leave her outside in the cold. So I don't know what's what we're gonna do aside from building a a heated doghouse or something for this crazy dog. Anyway. Um, life goes on. And uh, day two of doing the uh, butter and the coffee. And uh, for you vegans out there, you know, you don't have to do butter. You could do like coconut oil or something like that. And had really good results again. And I'm thinking definitely don't take this as uh, something that you should do. It's just something I'm doing. And if you want to try it, that's cool. But the, 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 the energy level, sustained energy level during the swim. I swam for 50, five zero minutes nonstop. And um, it's different. It really is different. There's uh, the, the body's just cruising along and uh, going pretty hard. And it seems difficult to tap out of energy. It's just there's always energy there to um, to pull from, and yeah, it's really bizarre. So um, I would say that it's uh, more calories available because you've eaten more, and then the calories aren't as fast acting, so they don't bottom out as fast. So that's as far as as I'm going to go with that. Anyway, that's pretty cool, and I'm also really excited about uh, challenge. Challenge Bahrain uh, coming tomorrow on Saturday. I guess we'll we'll have some results for that on the uh, news part of the show because it's going to take me a few days to put the show together. I'll throw that in the beginning. And I'm, yeah, man, that's going to be such a cool race. I don't know how to watch it so much. Um, interesting concept that you should know about uh, high-paying races is the higher the the higher the top prize purse, first place is, and then the steeper the drop-off, um, then the more radical the racing you get because people redline it, going to the limit, trying to get uh, first place. 
Um, so if you're like in, in first place, if you're in second place and uh, getting first will get you an extra $50,000, which is the case with this race, <laughs> Challenge Bahrain, and it's a 70.3. So it's not even a, it's not even an Ironman length race. It's a half Ironman. Um, you are going to kill yourself to get that extra $50,000. Uh, you know, the difference between second and first is going to be a minute probably. And, uh, so what you're going to end up seeing is people on the run, on the bike and on the run, just neck and neck trying to pass each other and pass each other and pass each other, just going all out because, the difference between first and second is $50,000. And then the difference between second and third, I think, is like $25,000. And then it starts falling off down from there. Um, it's a really cool uh, uh, play on human, um, I don't know if it's, well, we wouldn't call it greed, but I mean, it kind of is. But the um, uh, human economics and dynamics of what people will do um, when there's a huge, huge difference if with just uh, going a little bit faster or a little bit harder and how f fast they'll push themselves. So it really drives me crazy when you've got races that where and people involved say, well, you know, racing is boring, so we're not going to pay, a, so we don't get that many people to watch, so we can't pay a lot. You're look if you think that way, you're thinking about it backwards. You know, you can get tons of people to watch a darts championship, right? And the, the champion dart winner wins a million dollars because the because the champion dart thrower, dart throwing darts is freaking boring as hell. You know, it's so the champion dart thrower, the guy that wins gets a million dollars and the guy that gets second gets, I don't know, let's say you know, $10,000 or something like that. And it's like, holy crap, everybody wants to watch because they want to watch what people do when there's so much pressure, right? And that's uh, car racing. You know, people uh, start bumping, rubbing bumpers and crashing and stuff like that because they're pushing the limit so hard because the prize is so great. So when you want more people and you want more money, in your sport, you actually got to upfront pay a lot more money and then the eyeballs come. Nobody's going to come watch something where people are just exercising for, you know, five bucks, right? That's anybody can do that. But it's when you put a whole ton of money on the line, then all of a sudden a whole bunch of people get really excited and come to watch. And that's what's going on with Challenge Bahrain. It's pretty neat. And then, um, I got something else, but I'll, I'll keep that for later. It's pretty interesting. But that's it. I'm going to go inside and have a... Uh, oh, um, I wanted to mention an Amrita bar. So my breakfast this morning was two cups of coffee and a little bit of butter in each cup. And that gave me some calories and some fat burning to start off with. And then I eat a small bowl of Raisin Bran cereal with 2% milk. Um, and then I... Uh, what do I do? Oh, before I got to the pool and right before I got in, I uh, had just a, a, I don't know, half a tablespoon or so of honey because, I don't know, when I, when I start working out, I tend to go too hard too soon and you burn through 
fuel too fast because your body isn't really warmed up yet. So I've learned that. <laughs> so like a tablespoon, half a tablespoon of honey, which I don't know, it's like 30 calories. It's nothing. And then, um, and then, oh, as I was driving to the pool, um, half of an Amrita bar and <clears throat> usually during my swim, I'll have to go, oh, you know, feeling kind of, cause I swim pretty hard. I need more energy. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have like Gatorade or something like that on the side of the pool. No, not that. No, the past two times I've done this working out in the morning with the butter and the coffee, I don't need any fuel once I get going. Um, I'm fine. That's, that's the crazy thing. And, um, so over that almost hour swim, got that half of an Amrita bar kind of sitting in my belly, just digesting away. I think that's about a hundred, half of an Amrita bar is about 110 something calories. And then, um, and plus I had that uh, bowl of cereal, you know, small bowl of cereal about 45 minutes before that. And then what else? Um, and then when I got out of the pool, I had, uh, another half a tablespoon of honey. And then, um, the other, the last half of that Amrita bar as my recovery fuel. So I feel great. It's pretty cool. All right. Out. Bang. All right. We are back in the Zentri mobile studios, but it is not on my way to work or anything like that. It is Saturday, early Saturday afternoon, two o'clock, the same day as challenge Bahrain. And I'm on my way to Freebirds, and I had an internal battle with like, man, you're recording in the car all the time, but you know what? I'm not really doing anything else in the car. And this show is about getting things done and getting it all figured out. If you were to write a book, you would, a good place to do it is to record it while driving and then use dictation software and turn that crap into text. Uh, driving is a big waste. Anyway, I'm uh, wanting to talk to you about guacamole and three-hour bike rides and bike shorts that suck <laughs> and how to, how to do something about it. Okay, so, uh, oh, and Challenge Bahrain. Um, Heli Fredrickson won and uh, Michael Raylert won. I got into an argument with somebody on Slow Twitch about it saying that the more money is offered, the more likely people blow up because they're trying hard. I think I talked about that earlier on the show. Guy was like, no way. Anyway, then um, the race is too short. It's only a half. I'm like, <laughs> $100,000, man. $100,000. Heli made more money in four hours uh, than I did in a year. So anyway, um, looked at the calendar yesterday and asked Emily, you know, my home boss is what I like to call her at work, my home boss, and said, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? And she said, nothing. Kai's going to a birthday party in the afternoon sometime. I'm going to drop him off at the ice skating rink. And I said, oh, cool. Do you mind if I go for a long bike ride in the morning and a short run afterwards? Actually, I didn't tell her about the short run. That was uh, later. And then uh, she said, no, go ahead. I think that's cool. And so the thing is, with polarized training, you're doing so much interval work and so much rest. And then the mindset is really long workouts don't really help you that much. But you do need to do them. They actually make you worse, you know, because they wear you out more than they make you better. And uh, But you do need to do them to get a data point. That's what I like to call it. On 
if your fueling is going to work and what kind of what you're able to do, you know, at kind of easy or moderate pace, stuff like that. And uh, so I was like, okay, um, the past two races I've done, I've gotten sick to my stomach, um, and I'm going to work on a nutrition ride. Maybe that's what I'll call it. So I uh, got on my bike, and I did. Oh, I did the two cups of more, two cups of coffee waking up, and a couple pads of butter in it. I, I still don't know if that's really a thing or not, but I did it. And then um, had some other kind of carby thing, a bowl of cereal, and uh, a couple of scrambled eggs, and then um, made made up my fuel bottle situation, and. The plan for this was uh, to eat an Amrita bar every hour, which is um, 200 and let's say 220 calories. It's about um, significant portion of it coming from fat, and all you know, like uh, I don't know, like 40 calories of it or something like that, coming from fat, and then um, the rest of it carbs and protein, and then. Uh, then whatever calories I need on top of that as, you know, sugary crap that you get. And I have EFS laying around, which is really high quality sugary crap. And then I said, okay, um, let's do another 100 calories per hour on top of the Amrita bar. And... Then I'll also bring a flask along with me of honey in case that's not quite enough. And uh, so I'm riding along. Oh, before I take off on the bike ride, I uh, drank one serving, which was 90 calories or so, of um, Amrita Bar, of, uh, of uh, EFS, like the 20 minutes or so, you know, before I took off on the bike. What that does is it gets you taken off riding feeling pretty good. And then, so I'm riding along, and I'm eating a, uh, a third of an Amrita bar every 20 minutes, which seems to be pretty nice. I guess I could do every 15 minutes, now that I think about it. And then, um, my fuel bottle is, I've got a, an arrow bottle mounted to the frame, and with permanent marker, I've, I've measured out and drawn uh, lines on it for um, half and then quarter full and two third or uh, 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 one quarter full, three quarters full. You know what I mean. And uh, and with that, that's enough for, for me to interpolate. You know, like one one third full and crap like that. Anyway, so I'm uh, I'm riding along and I'm I'm making sure that I stay on track and don't drink my uh, my sugary crap too fast as I'm trying to. Uh, to uh, stay on track with my Amrita bar, which uh, worked out pretty good. I ended up having to wait for construction, you know, so that messed up my timing just a little bit and had to wait on a train. <laughs> I was like, man, in this one ride, I've had to stop more often than uh, than, you, than I ever have in, in years. Anyway, um, my ride has like no stoplights, stuff like that. It's got a couple of stop signs, but if you listen to uh, this summer, I got a ticket for blowing through one on 9/11, 2014, which actually I do have to go pay that ticket and take defensive driving for <laughs> riding through a stop sign on my bike. Anyway, um, 
So along the ride, there was a couple times where I felt like I needed a little bit more energy. And so I, I took a couple, I think twice. I know, I know twice. I'm wondering if three times. Took a sip. And we're talking, that's probably about 30 calories. But it's super sugary, you know, uh, stuff. Oh, I should have gotten on the freeway. And um, I, uh, and then the, the thing was, is after the ride is over, a three-hour ride, which ends up being, um, what I was trying to do is emulate at least a half Ironman. So a three-hour ride, I ended up going 60 miles. I did like 20, 21 miles per hour or something like that. It was windy and cold outside. And then, um, and I did about the same watts that I do at a half. I did 240 watts average. And... Um, so it was a very good half Ironman simulation ride. And then the goal was to get on the run and see what happens to my stomach. Because um, at the half Ironman in Austin, I wasn't able to eat anything the entire run because my stomach hurt. My stomach got locked up and it hurt whenever I ate or drank something. So um, this was a really good test. I, um, it worked really well. And I started running. I took my, my dog with me. And then Morgan calls me while I'm running. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to run after biking three hours. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, are you struggling because your legs hurt or whatever? I'm like, no. <laughs> I got an 80-pound dog that's dragging me up and down the freaking street. And my legs are like rubber. Um, otherwise, I feel good. But he All right, sorry. Uh, the phone rang and it killed my recorder. And Emily's on the rampage buying Christmas stuff and calling me constantly. And uh, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I'm running and uh, what happens? I I'm running and I feel fine. Um, uh, interesting thing is I didn't feel the need to take on any, on any fuel because my stomach. Uh, I just didn't feel like I needed any. And the, um, I'll have to look up how many grams of carbohydrate I was taking in, but it was, um, just over 300 calories per hour. And I wasn't, my Watts on the bike, my output on the bike was the same as race pace, but, um, my heart rate wasn't the same because I guess I wasn't as excited, you know, cause it's not a race and definitely my running wasn't the same pace. But um, I was running a nine-minute mile instead of like a eight. And uh, so my heart rate was lower. So food's a little bit easier to digest. But this is really cool. Uh, and this is something that you should do is on occasion, you should do a long workout uh, brick. And then figure out what your fueling does to your stomach on the run. And see if... Um, uh, you know, start experimenting with different things. Every, every few weeks you could do another test. I think, um, I'm thinking my next one, I got a big bag of maltodextrin powder. I think, uh, next time around I'm going to do the Amrita bars, man. Whenever, every time I ate a bite of one of those, um, I could feel it after a couple minutes, my stomach could start digesting it. And, and I had just great energy. I'm like, well, maybe I should just eat Amrita bars the entire way. Just big Amrita bars. <laughs> Like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of expensive, but, uh, but then 
you know, you got to do what's what uh, your body performs on the best. I remember my best ever half Ironman uh, run. I ran like a low seven or something like that. Um, was uh, after eating Lara bars, which is kind of like an Amrita bar, and um. I remember there was an aid station that was messed up. I wish I, I wish I had my fueling. I wonder if I could go back and look. No, man, dude, I had this spectacular run off the bike um, where I was able to hammer, and I just drank some Gatorade kind of here and there um, on a cousin of Amrita bars, and uh, I like the Amrita bars even better. So I think I'm on to something. But uh, big thanks to the guys that have pointed out on Twitter you know, to try Amrita bars. Okay, I got something else. Um, the bike shorts, you know you have different pairs of bike shorts, but they're pretty much always black. And um, But some bike shorts are good for long distance and some are... Uh, well, I, I put on these bike shorts and I'm like, oh, these are, these are probably all right. And I've been getting some chafing on the side of my, uh, my uh, uh, crotchal area um, from something recently. And I was like, and, it, and it's annoying as hell. And I was wondering what it was. And I bet it was these freaking bike shorts... Um, cause I put them on and I am like, uh, 20 minutes into my ride and I put on skin sake, like, you know, lube stuff down there. And this stuff is just a braiding, grinding, scraping into, into the, uh, the, the wedge up there. And, uh, particularly like, and I'm just like, man. And so I thought I got an idea. I, I need to do this when I get back to the house after I leave Freebirds. Um, uh, take a permanent marker and write on the on the the Mac the <laughs> I said the maxi pad the uh, the pad in the bike shorts right I was thinking like what I'm gonna write on them like don't ride for don't wear for long rides these suck or something like that but you know no one else is ever gonna see it except uh, somebody that might be uh, working on your laundry with you and and then it's just kind of funny and. Um, uh, it's a good reminder so that you, you know, you just, you're just grabbing gear and going and some gear, like they're fine for short distance stuff, but when it's sustained long rides, man, it, oh, dude, it's killing me. Um, and then, uh, also I was listening to something and they were talking about foods to snack on and stuff like that. And healthy foods, if you, you want to stay from, uh, stay away from too, too sugary stuff. And uh, he or she said guacamole. And then, the, oh, I guess it was James Altucher's show. And he's been having some really good shows lately. And he, uh, he said, oh, I do like to put guacamole on, on some of my stuff. I like, I like that. And, and then the person said, no, no. Just eat it with a freaking spoon. <laughs> Just eat it. It's, it's great. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And, he, and the James kind of sat there for a second and was like, hmm, uh, I guess so. And, uh, yeah, I guess I could do that. And he or she was like, do it, man. It works. It's really, really good. So I have a trick for you. Um, guacamole goes bad if you leave it open to the air. So there's two things you can do. You can pour lime juice on it um, every time you use it. Uh, lime juice um, keeps it from turning nasty brown uh, to the part that's uh, exposed to the air, that's been exposed to the air, the container that you opened up. And then, uh, so that does work for sure. But then you're, I don't know, it's kind of me. And then um, another thing that you can do is 
you uh, you buy a big thing of guacamole, and after you open it and eat some of it with a spoon, then you spoon the rest of it out into a Ziploc bag, and then you can um, then you tear a tiny little hole in the bag. It doesn't have to be tiny, tiny, like the size of a twice the size of a pencil eraser. Uh, or somewhere between uh, one and a half times the size of a pencil eraser, and a, a freezer bag works best because they're um, they're a little bit tougher. Uh, I worry about the regular sandwich ones uh, being too flimsy. And then um, you squeeze all the air out. You point the you point the hole up, and then squeeze all the air out until there's no air left, and guacamole starts coming out of the corner of the Ziploc uh, bag, and if you squeeze it out right, the uh, corner of the Ziploc bag will get jammed um, after you're done using it. So you squeeze it like if you're doing cake icing on something. You squeeze it into your mouth. You squeeze it onto your food. Uh, you squeeze it wherever you want. Squeeze it on your body. I don't, I don't care what you do in your personal time. And then you... Um, oh, is that a... What kind of bird is that? It's a big hawk. I thought it was an owl. Um, squirrel. Then you... Um, Uh, words elude me. Oh, then you put it in the uh, fridge, and the guacamole has jammed up the the air hole that where air could get in. And you want to do that because if you don't, then you're going to get brown guacamole again. All oh, the hawks are fighting. Holy cow! There's like a nest. There's three of them. They're dive bombing each other. Um, that's cool. Then uh. Anytime you want guacamole, your guacamole will last for weeks like this and be fresh and green. It's really, really cool. You just want to make sure that you plug up the hole of the Ziploc bag that you squeeze the guacamole out of. You just seal it with guacamole, and then the next time you use it, that little part that's been exposed will be brown. But as you squeeze it, that brown part will fall off, and then you get fresh guacamole coming out of it again. And uh, guacamole, if you eat, it's kind of like the butter thing. If you snack on guacamole kind of here and there, um, for example, then you're never really that hungry because you have a nice base layer of fat because guacamole is really high in fat. And it's a really healthy fat, and guacamole has lots of fiber in it, and it's green. So, um, Oh, and after my uh, bike ride and my run was done, I, um, I felt great. I had lots of energy and um, was really you know, excited and stuff, checking up on the Challenge Bahrain stuff. And that's a real indicator too. If you finish a ride and you're just um, blasted and you're like, oh, and walking around, uh, ride or run, and uh, walking around like a zombie, then um, you ate uh, either not enough or, or uh, too much. So that, that's a good indicator right there. All right, I'm going to go eat some free birds with some guacamole. Out bang. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Got a lot of cool stuff happening just very recently and thought I'd mention it. Um, first off, I went to Houston today, Cyprus, Northwest Houston. It's way out in the outskirts of Houston and on the Northwest side and went to Bike Barn and took Kai there to help pick out his Christmas present, a new bike. And we went there first to look at a Trek KRX, I think is what it is. And it's a 26 inch, which is kind of like a 650 instead of a, it's almost a full size wheel. Um, and it's a kid's road bike and it's a thousand dollars. It's 980, 990, uh, dollars. 
Um, and it's a perfectly good bike. It's a Trek. And um, Emily wanted me to go and get it for Kai. And then we were going to surprise him on Christmas Day. And I started thinking about it. And the most important thing about a bike is bike fit. And I, I talked to Emily into letting me take Kai with me. And um, because we didn't... You want to put him on the bike. And you want to put him on several bikes. And make sure he likes it. And make sure it fits. And make sure it's just a tiny bit too big. And it's something he could grow into. And so we get there. And Kai has no idea that we're probably leaving with a bike. <laughs> and he said, uh, I said, okay, what about this one? He's like, oh, I like, I like it, dad, daddy, this one's cool. And we're walking around and stuff and they start, uh, they get it down and he sits on it and he likes it and it fits perfectly. Well, you know what it means if it fits somebody per a 10 year old, uh, perfectly, that means in six months, it's going to be too small. Um, it's like jeans, you know? And so I said, okay. And then we found a 48, no, a 52, um, a 52 Trek. It's their boy, it's their men's bike. That's the smallest, uh, the cheapest, smallest. And it was, it's like 800 bucks or something like that. And, um, so we start fit, fitting it to him on the, on a trainer and, you know, they're dropping the stem and they're dropping the seat and I'm pointing out to the guy, you can move the seat forward and you can drop the seat and you can move that reflector off and you can drop the seat even more. And why don't you flip that stem and, uh, then get the handlebars even lower. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> I guess this guy knows what he's doing. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, keep going, make that thing smaller, make it smaller, make it smaller. And, uh, and it was starting to fit just barely, barely, but it was almost big enough to be dangerous. You need to be able to reach the brakes um, and be able to reach the shifters. And I said, Bike Barn's a, a pretty big bike shop. And I said, Kai, you, you stay here and keep working with them. I'm going to wander around a little bit. And I wandered around. And that bike that we were looking at was was uh, kind of a dark red and black, which uh, on kids... I recommend that if you can, you get a white bike or a yellow bike or something really light colored so that like pink, so that when car headlights hit it during the night and also during the day, they're just more visible uh, because kids ride so crazy all over the place. So try to get a, a light colored bike if you can, if you have a choice. And so I'm wandering around and out of the corner of my eye, I see a white uh, specialized and I pull it out of the rack and it's a 48 centimeter 48, yeah, 48 centimeter, which is, uh, and it's a Dulce, and which is the specialized, it's a specialized women's bike, but it was just straight white with uh, some black accents on it. And I couldn't believe it. It had no like pink, nothing on it. It was just straight up white with black. And I was like, oh my God, this bike is colored. Kai will love this because it's colored just like a stormtrooper. And uh, I take it over there and it's just a tad bit smaller than the one we were trying to make uh, fit for him that was just a tad bit too big. And I go, Kai, what about this one? And he goes, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, and it was, it's a specialized Dulce and it's dollars so it was, you know, more than $200 or just about $200 cheaper than the one. And, uh, so, so they, uh, put Kai on it and he's pedaling it and stuff like that. And I said, Kai, if we get this, 
it's going in the it's going in the hiding uh, store, just being put away until Christmas. You can't write it until Christmas. He's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like that. And um, so anyway, um, and also I told Emily on the before I left, I said, Kai and I can have a father-son trip to Houston. It's an hour each way. And uh, we can just have a really nice time together, you know, doing this. And, um, uh, you know, just have a, just have a good time. And father-son and, and um, and so Emily's like, okay. So I called up Emily and I said, I think we found the bike. And so we went ahead and got it. And yeah, I'm really, really excited. Um, so also we've been working on in the past, uh, gosh, m- for months, years maybe. Kai comes in while I'm on the bike trainer and he says, I want to ride on the trainer. And I'm like, well, we don't have one. that'll." We tried putting his bike on it, his old bike, and it's a 24-inch wheel and it, it won't fit. The trainer uh, roller drum won't hit the tire. And I'm like, man, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but his triathlon coach has like four or six or something like that trainers that will, uh, Kurt, Ken- uh, Kirk, Kurt, Kinetic, the green ones, will actually reach a, uh, the smaller tire of, of kids' bikes. And so we called him up, um, gosh, a couple weeks ago and asked, uh, or emailed him and he said, yeah, come by, I'll leave one out. But then it never happened. Um, and then finally, just by coincidence, it happened today where he left it out for, um, for em- Emily went by and picked it up. And so Emily had that at the house when we got back from Houston and Kai's new bike, uh, true to my word is, is, uh, locked away. He can't ride it. I told Kai, he, Kai wanted to, I caught Kai, you know, messing with it and handling it. And I'm like, he's, and I'm like, Kai, what are you doing? You can't be touching your bike. And he's like, I just want to pick it up to see how light it is. And I said, you can pet your bike. You can visit it and you can pet it, but you can't, you can't be on it. You can't be handling it too much. That thing is for Christmas. And then on Christmas day, you can actually ride that thing around all you want. He's like, okay. <laughs> so we took his old bike, which he can barely ride because his knees are hitting the handlebars, and we put it on the trainer. Um, when we got back from Houston, Kai and I had a snack and um, sat around a little bit, and then we got on the bikes, and I rode. He got on a little bit before me, so he probably did about 25 minutes total. And I showed him, he put his, uh, he pulled up Netflix, like some Nickelodeon thing, and was, uh, I uh, just checking the battery on my phone here. Dismiss. Okay. He um he was watching Netflix on an iPad and I uh <laughs> I didn't watch anything while he was watching that. And then after a while I put a triathlon on um on uh the laptop and we rode together side by side and we thought it was so hilarious and so cute. Eventually we both had our shirts off. <laughs> and we uh, were riding side by side on two different trainers on two different bikes. Um, and again, this is on his old bike that we actually need to sell if anybody wants one. It's uh, probably going to sell for about 100 bucks, And um, that was really, really cool. And yeah, he did about 20, 25 minutes. I made him do uh, two intervals, I think. And that was it. And um, then uh, I went for like 40 minutes or whatever. But I have, I have some bike news. Uh, this polarized training is just the bomb, man. I got another king of the mountain without trying. I decided to hop over to Strava. I, I'm not like a big Strava freak. I love Strava, but I don't like hang out there or look at everything all the time. I was like, oh, I just went over. Uh, somebody gave me kudos on a ride or something like that. Or no, I think I got an email that said I got a KOM or something like that. I went and looked and I got a KOM 
for like a god like a 12 minute long section i think it was it was many miles long and uh uh 200 and 240 something watts average for the entire thing just uh, on on rolling terrain somebody is between two intersections and uh that was that was kind of cool you know so big props to the um to the to the interval training on the bike, it really does. It really does uh, make a big difference. Oh, and Kai and I, uh, we stopped by Chipotle, and I had a vegan burrito. I might go with uh, less meat and less cheese uh, to try to drop weight. I keep uh, struggling with weight. I've put on about fifteen pounds since um, since I was at my lightest. I'm gonna start working on on uh, peeling that off. It's starting to fr- just frustrate me. But anyway, um, but also it's the last five has been because, you know, tapering and not really working out as much because I'm taking a break from all the training. So, um, let's see, let's go over some donations and emails to wrap up the show. And do we want to mention any sponsors? Let me go up one on my, uh, on my sponsors list. Got some really good emails this time. Uh, new Republic brewery. Let's mention them. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at new Republic beer. Nice sponsor shout out from them for them. And I think that's it. I've mentioned, uh, Amrita bars a ton and, oh man, I had such a good run this morning off of an Amrita bar. Uh, you can get, uh, them at 15% off with discount code ZEN, all caps is Z-E-N, at amritahealthfoods.com. I've mentioned them a ton. And uh, we will mention uh, Hornet Juice here in a second. And um, these emails and donations come from supporting Zen and the Art of Triathlon. You can go to the website, zentriathlon.com, look at cool blog posts, look at show notes for my interviews and such. And they, they're all there, like all the tips that I give, I try to I almost always get all the links in there and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun to cruise through the site and old interviews. And if you want to help support Zen and Yard Triathlon, then you can easily do it by going to the left side of the page and there's PayPal links to donate to the show and also a Hornet Juice link on the right side. If you scroll down a ways, there's Hornet Juice. You can order some Hornet Juice and support the show which is a ton of fun to get Hornet juice delivered by mail from me. You get an email from me and then the, the Hornet juice itself comes from New Zealand. It's got New Zealand stamps on it. it usually has whales and stuff like that. It really does come from New Zealand. It's so cool. And then you get to take amino acid protein mix that's synthesized Japanese killer Hornet saliva. You get to put it in your mouth and then watch your body just go all crazy. It totally works. We'll get some emails in here. Talk, people talking about how cool it is. Okay, let's start off with uh, a donation. If you donate to the show and you send in an email, I read it on the show. Chris Hayward says, "Thanks for one of, uh, thanks for the plug of one of my tweets on your last episode." Ha, uh, Van City Try is who he is on Twitter. Avid listener for the past couple of years. My daughter was born two pounds seven ounces on Groundhog Day, 2013. Three months in the NICU. Oh my God, dude. Three months in the NICU and your, that's neonatal intensive care unit. Anybody that knows what those acronyms mean, you got to, you got to feel for them in their heart. (laughs) NICU and your Iron Baby episode uh, moved me. Uh, That's where a few episodes ago, I did a self-supported Ironman in honor of preemie babies. And because my own son was a preemie baby and that's what I did uh, to help try to raise awareness of all this and, uh, support, uh, it's called the iron baby. 
Self-supported Iron Man. Anyway, so he said, Iron Baby episode moved me because I had no idea how it all started. Yeah, I've been doing it for 10 years, people. 10 years! And one a year on Kai's birthday. Um, while my focus is my first Iron Man next year at Whistler, I may just have to join you for Iron Baby in the years to come. Cool. I'd love to have you come down, man. P.S. My little girl is almost two, walking and talking, healthy and happy. Cool, man. See? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to spread the message to uh, preemies um, a lot of times. Um, they're going to be fine. And uh, uh, one of the best things that happened to me when Kai was born preemie was my boss said, um, I want you, I think he called in his son on purpose. He said, I want you to meet my son uh, tomorrow. He's going to come in for lunch. And I go, oh, okay. Because my idea of preemie babies is they're all weak and, and uh, not going to, not gonna, I don't know, have all kinds of damage or something. I don't know, and not not be athletic or anything, you know. And his son comes in the next day, and his son's like six four and two hundred and forty pounds, or he's just a freaking monster at age like seventeen, you know. And I was like, oh my god. And he's like, yeah, man, don't worry about your kid being preemie. <laughs> he was this. My son was two months, two and a half months premature, just like your son or something. And I was like, oh my lord. So anyway. Uh, spreading awareness is is really cool. That that things may end up just being fine. Uh, Spiros Fetsis, how's it going, man? He's our friend from Chicago. Uh, Julie Callahan sent in a donation. Daniel Stark, man, such a longtime donor, so cool. Dwayne Morin, same thing. Tyler Moyer, same thing. Thank you again for a donation for the show. Uh, we bought uh, burritos today with your donations <laughs> on that road trip to uh, Houston and back. Had to stop off and grab a burrito. And um, Kai and I sitting there eating burritos together, talking about bikes. And um, food for that trip uh, was sponsored by you guys. Uh, Russell sent from his, oh, this is funny. His signature on his email was so great. You know, some people put f something funny. Uh, Rich Roll would send me emails and they would say, sent from my iBike. <laughs> He's like, I spend so much time on my bike when he was training for Ultraman stuff. Uh, that's where I feel like I'm writing my emails from. So anyway, Russell sent one that says, sent from his sonic screwdriver. Anyway, uh, hey, Brett, things are great here. He must have ordered Hornet juice. And so I was asking him how it was, where he is. And uh, congrats on the Iron Baby success. Thanks, man. I'm a longtime listener and plan on making a more substantial donation in the future. Oh, that's cool. Uh, your advice and zen-like attitude have helped me a great deal with my training. Sent from my sonic screwdriver, Russell. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was a good email. Um, we've got one from Christopher Allen and Ken Soderquist. And then I got a couple more emails. These are good. Here we go. Um, Alan Thompson about vitamins. Hey, Coach Brett, greetings from Ireland. That's all I know. That's all I can do. It's a wee bit of gold compared to the rainbow. And I just ran out of stuff and offended uh, uh, millions of people. Okay, uh, I've just recently discovered your podcast and was listening to 575 episode, episode 575, blah, with Vinny Tortorich. Oh, my buddy Vinny, where you were saying you were having issues remembering to take your vitamins. Well, check it out. I have the solution. Baby food containers, exclamation point. Remember, if you write a sentence and it has an exclamation point in it, I say it in your emails. Test it. Send me one. See if I do it. Um, I get my four-year-old son to help me count out and sort out my weekly vitamins every Sunday. Loving the show. Alan Tomo Thompson. Thanks, Alan. 
Yeah, so what's going on here is pretty cool. When you make a process your own by putting your own touch on it, now you're like invested in it and it's your own thing. It's cool. So like if somebody else gave Alan baby food containers and said, use these, he'd probably be like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, um, but because it's, because he came up with baby food containers, um, he's probably going to do it for the rest of his life. Isn't that cool? So think about that whenever you're trying to come up with your own stuff that works for you. And thanks, Alan. That was really cool. Um, yeah, because on a baby food container, you can write on the lid with a permanent marker, different stuff. And then our last email is from Bill Dowis. And it says, hey, Brett, I just listened to the interview with John Hirsch, pro triathlete John Hirsch. I am excited because I will be at the Wachong 50K. What is that? Uh, that he is doing. Um, where, where? It must be in New York somewhere. Anyway, that's that 50K. It's John Hirsch's first uh, ultra um, uh, that he's ever going to do. And do y'all, oh man, I'm having a squirrel moment. Do you remember uh, Wang Chung? Everybody Wang Chung tonight. Remember that song? <laughs> I was like in middle school when that came out. Anyway, I may be just a spectator when my fiance runs the half marathon there, but now I'm itching to sign up for the marathon or 50K option. Dude, you should. And then give John Hirsch hell while he's out there. Yell at him that he's not going fast enough. Anyway, uh, great interview and I love the show! Exclamation point. By the way, I signed up for my first triathlon. It is in June in Philadelphia. Now I just got to figure out how to swim. Signed, Bill. Okay, start earlier on your swim than you think you need to. Just go frequently and then try to keep up during the sprint stuff with the people in the lane next to you, the, the people in the faster lane next on your faster side, and try to work your way up through the lanes. And you want to be king of the lane, right? Fastest person always goes first. So work your way up to be the fastest person in your lane. And then after a while, try to switch lanes. And now you'll probably be one of the slower people in the next lane. And then work your way up to be the fastest person in that lane. That's how you get faster. Start sooner rather than later, man. Because it's all about technique and drag reduction. Okay, I think that's it for the show. Got more interviews, as always. Always lined up. Thanks for... Oh, we got one with Tawny coming up really soon. And... um Helly Fredrickson, who just won Challenge, she promised on Twitter that she would do an interview with us. I don't know. Now she's a bazillionaire. <laughs> she may be she may be too busy and too rich for for us uh, common folk down here in Zentriland, but I doubt it. She seems pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, Tawny and that. Uh, always lots more stuff actually coming up. I'm always working on interviews. And actually, you know, I was thinking... I want to start doing interviews, if we can, with Kona qualifiers, so age groupers who figured things out and what they changed over time uh, to get faster and start doing uh, Kona speed. And I'd really like to talk with people about that. I think that might be an angle for some interviews that we could cover a lot of ground and teach people a lot of cool stuff and share the knowledge with uh, how to be successful in triathlon. I bet you a lot of it has to do with nutrition and finding time, which is a big theme of this show. All right, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. <laughs>